getting back on that Geekscape horse with a brand new Geekscape pod, we've got reviews of Paranorm and the Expendables 2, two video games, and also the death of Nintendo Power on this episode of Geekscape. How's it going, Geekscapists? I'm here with a very special guest, one of our regular writers. What's going on, Geekscape guys? editor Scott Aminiana. That's the way you pronounce his name, right? You actually got it right. I'm impressed. Dude, I've been getting it right recently. I know we made a big hub, uh, you know, to-do about the fact that I butchered your last name. Um, but I've been getting it right. You have been getting it right. I appreciate it. Like, come on, man. Like, you got to give me credit. I've been trying to clean up my act. Um, how you been? Pretty good. Not too bad. Had an uh, interview today. First interview, actually. Yeah, listen, guys. Scott really wants to be uh, part of the engine that gets Geekscape ro- rolling. But uh, i got to tell you, he's been... He's been slow to, to you know to do interviews. He it's he's had I am slow. He's had several interviews offered to him. He's had a lot of opportunities to meet people and bring them to you guys, the Geekscapists, through articles and interviews. And he's balked at the challenge. He's basically been like, I, I don't I don't want to do interviews. I'm scared. Uh, where does that come from? I have no idea. You do know. It's my low self esteem. No, show me on the doll where he touched you. Okay, so <laughs> listen. Today you had your first interview. And who was it with? Because I thought this was interesting. Who, who Grandmaster was YK Kim. Who is Grandmaster YK Kim? He's not a member of the KKK. It, yeah. it sounds like he might be, but right. he's not. He actually, the Y throws it out of whack. A little bit. He actually is the writer, producer, director, and star of the 1987 classic. Okay, it's not a classic. It's not a classic yet. yet. Right. Uh, Miami Connection. What is that? That is... Probably one of the quintessential action movies of the 80s that no one has ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) So last night, Geekscapist, uh, actually like two, three weeks ago, you know what, I'll go back to May. Like in May, early June, I get a press release that uh, Drafthouse Films, who put out the FP and a lot of the the movies we like here at Geekscape, um, acquired this 1987 movie called Miami Connection. And all they did was they they, they put like a YouTube clip of one of the scenes. And the the scene was amazing. It was a musical scene with a band kicking ass on, on... on stage, it was obvious nobody in the band played instruments. What's the name of that band? Uh, Dragon Sound. Uh, so anyway, uh, I see this clip, and there's a couple like shady drug dealers in the in the in the uh, audience in this clip. And if you go ahead right now and just Google in YouTube Miami Connection, and you're going to see what the '80s movie that we're talking about. And I guess this movie they got they made it in '87, and then it just sat there while this YK Kim guy went around trying to shop the thing, and nobody nobody wanted this movie. They they claimed it was terrible. Well, last night they had the premiere here in Los Angeles, uh, a midnight premiere, and Scott and I went to see it. Mr. Kim was, Grandmaster Kim was in, 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 you know, in attendance, as was like his, his school. Now he runs Martial Arts World, and he had a bunch of kids and various aged individuals doing martial arts on stage before the, the premiere. And then they showed the movie, and the movie, guys, if you've been listening to Gatescape for years, you know I love Gauntlet movies. I love these VHS films that, that people just... They just don't appreciate these films. We're talking about movies like Wizard of the Lost Kingdom. We're talking about movies like Never Too Young to Die. One of my favorites on my shelf that is one of the crown jewels of my collection. Death Run to Istanbul. I mean, these gauntlet films are the films that just know. You know, Samurai Cop was one that we recently learned to appreciate from Geekscapist uh, Ralph uh, Oppel. He gave me this copy of Samurai Cop, and that one was really good and violent in the 80s. Be ready to make some space on your shelf when they do the DVD release of Miami Connection. Miami Connection, it has ninjas, it's got cocaine-laden drug lords, it's got titties. Biker gangs. Biker gangs. More titties. And friendship. 
Lots and lots of friendship. And in 80s pop music, Miami Connection has almost, pretty much, no, not even almost, everything that you would want in, a, in like, a, like a, a classic VHS. It's almost a shame it's on DVD. Like a, like a classic. It really is like the, pro- it's a cult the movie. prime example of a cult movie. Product of the 80s. I would, I, I would say, you know what, I'm reserving that space for Never Too Young to Die. Have you seen Never Too Young to Die? I haven't. It's, uh, it's um, John Stamos versus Gene Simmons. Oh, I gotta see it. And Gene now. Simmons plays a uh, like a transit like vestite who wants to poison LA's water supply, and only John Stamos, who's a college student, gymnast, rooming with an, a Chinese inventor, can stop him using gadgets. And oh, he's also the son of a super spy, literally played by uh, I forget the dude, but he only played James Bond once. George Lazenby. George Lazenby plays his know, dad, and he dies like immediately. You had me at John yeah, Stamos. So John and Stamos Jimenez. has to inherit his father's uh, spy stuff and stop Gene Simmons. The movie's incredible. It's definitely a, a great mullet '80s movie, not unlike Miami Connection. So guys, uh, look for the the interview that. Uh, see, I figured I'd, I'd, I'd softball you and be like, you know what? Like he doesn't want to do an interview. I'll actually give him an interview with somebody who knows English less than him. He does. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, I'll just give it to this. I mean, because last night when he did the intro, I was like. This guy knows how to kick, but he doesn't really know how to speak English. Yeah, not so much. He's, you know? he's a motivational speaker. He's though. a motivational speaker, but, you know, he does a lot of kicking. And I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I'll send Scott. Worst case scenario, he gets kicked. Best case scenario, he does an interview and puts it up on the website. So be looking for that. Uh, the movie was fantastic. Um, you know, get all your friends together. When this thing comes out on DVD and watch this thing, Miami Connection, it won't be the last time that you hear about it um, on Geekscape. Want to tell you guys uh, real quick. Uh, I went and saw Paranorman. Uh, sorry for the lateness or the the you know kind of the gaps in Geekscapes. We've been shooting and uh, the shooting. I would like to say it almost wrapped, but I really like now. I'm making dates to shoot some stuff for Doc of the Dead. So the Geekscape production train is just going to keep going. Um, but I will try and get you guys some more Geekscapes. I probably would have given you guys another one, but I got sick last week. Um, I did get out that H plus one. That was a really good one, uh, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great talking to John Cabrera about that Brian Singer produced H-plus digital series. Go look for it on YouTube. The la- the, there's, there's nine episodes out now. So. Yeah, they just released the, the latest three on Thursday, I believe. And uh, you know what? I haven't had anybody watch it. Come back to me and be like, hey, man, that thing sucked. Why would you recommend it? No, everybody, everybody who's seen H-plus has liked H-plus. Um, I did get a chance to go see Paranorman. Um, Paranorm is the, the focus features released this uh, from the creators of Coraline. It's a movie uh, takes place in a town, uh, I think in, in Massachusetts, in the, in, in uh, New England, and it's on the. Th- this is, here's the setting for Paranorman. You know that it's stop motion animation, uh, just like Coraline, which looks phenomenal. And you, they basically had me at from the creators of Coraline, and this. This is actually a really cool movie. It takes place uh, in this town, and it's on the th- it's on the eve. This isn't in the trailer. On the eve of the th- of a curse that was laid on this town 300 years prior by a witch that was killed by local Puritans. Oh wow! That's because heavy for a kid, yeah, right? because she could see the dead. Now 300 years later, you've got this kid Norman who can talk to the dead, and the curse is coming around. And maybe he's the only person who can stop it because the curse is going to raise the dead. I mean, he he talks to ghosts, but now literally the the dead, the zombies are going to come up out of the ground, and basically that's what he has to uh, stop from happening. So already, it, let me tell you, before the movie starts, it starts with the sound of a carpent John Carpenter style synth music, 
and that immediately puts you in the mood. Do they use that type of the whole yes, movie? Yes, they use it throughout the entire movie. Because I know in the trailer movie. they've got that one no, part where his friend shows up and he's got the Halloween no, theme on the his phone. No, the entire movie they're using John Carpenter's, not, not necessarily the, uh, the, the Michael Myers theme, but just but the synth heavy. The whole synth heavy John Carpenter thing oh, is in this movie. This. And it has, you know, it, it's not a perfect movie. Um, if you guys go to a, a matinee, I, I say see it in 3D. If you guys go to a matinee, I think you guys will definitely be satisfied. It's a short movie. It has like an 84-minute runtime, But they pack a lot into it. It's not without its flaws. Uh, there's a whole sequence. There's like a whole section of the movie where he stops talking to ghosts, even though he's looking for advice. And you figure the undead are the ones who would know how to yeah. figure out the undead now that the, the undead may be rising. Um, but every character in the movie is a lot of fun. They're each really different. Um, it has some really cool suspense moments. Again, the sound and the music are awesome, especially if you're a horror lover. And they play with the horror conventions really well and in a really smart way. And i got to tell you, it has one of the most intense endings in a kid's movie. Not only is the subject matter already pretty intense for a kid's movie, but the ending is like a boss battle, like a video game boss battle. Because oh, you know how like a good boss battle goes through stages? Yeah. The ending is a boss battle. Like It goes through stages, and you're like... Oh shit! This is really escalating. And my wife turned to me. Laura goes, "This is pretty intense for a kids' movie." The kid, <laughs> the kid in the seat in front of us was covering their eyes, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm about to have to cover my eyes. This is getting pretty." You know, it has a great message. The movie's really good. I I would definitely recommend you guys see this one in theaters. I know we ran the we ran a promo for it uh, last week. Yeah, we had we, we had the contest. We got that pick, was a really cool package for that. We contest, got to pick actually. a winner for that package. That's uh, all I haven't sent that. No, we sent out the... We've been throwing so many contests and things We've on the site. We've had like four recently. The one, we sent out the Blu-ray of Spaceballs winner. Yeah. If you guys are listening, the three people who won the original novelization of Dark Knight Rises have not gotten back to me. Those dudes didn't go back to me. I announced winners, or I contacted winners, and they didn't get back to me. So we may have to redistribute the winnings on that one. They obviously don't want to read what Bane says. Right, <laughs> and then we just ran the paranormal contest. So we got to pick the winner. I think the paranormal had my favorite. Uh, the zombie the, slippers. The zombie slippers. I had like he four wears people. them in the movie. He does. Yeah, he wears them in the movie. Oh, that's awesome. I had like four people tell me they're like, "I want those slippers." So I'm like, "I can't give them to you. Enter, enter the contest, guys." Geekscapes, it's it's popping off. <laughs> we got contests. We got interviews with people who don't speak English. We've got. Did you hear this? Over on Geekscape.net, we're sponsoring another screening. With our buddies over at Flick System Machinima, we're, we're sponsoring a screening of this Ethan Hawke horror movie called... What's this? Sinister. Sinister. Thank you. We, you know what? I'll tell you this much. We, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'll be honest. We, we want to do this screening because we like hanging out with the Tug and Machinima guys, and we like hanging out with the Flixis guys. If I don't recall, Brent Moore wrote a really bad review for this film back in South by Southwest. But you know what? You got to see it for yourself, I guess, because hey, where's Brett Moore been since South by Southwest? Right, that kid comes around one year to review some movies in Austin, and if he he's not listening to this man. He's not <laughs> listening. If he is listening, there's a lesson he needs to learn. He wrote this review. The Flixus guys like this movie. I haven't seen this movie, but here's the thing: it, it's on Monday, September 24th, and it actually is before the movie actually comes out. So two weeks prior. It's two weeks prior. It's two weeks. That's a long time prior. That's not bad for an advanced screening. Yeah, no. Usually an advanced screening is like a couple days earlier. Yeah. This is two weeks earlier. So that's the deal. September 24th at the Rave Cinemas. Go to geekscape.net or search for it on tug.com. We've got a screening of Sinister happening here in Los Angeles. You'll get to see the movie. 
possibly with some of the stars from the film here in Los Angeles. We're going to try and get them out. You get to see it two weeks before anybody. Um, that's cool. I, I didn't know it was two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Get ready for a surprise. What did I just quote? <laughs> Total Recall. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> You're qualified to continue being the editor of Geekscape.net. That was the that was the uh, that was the test right there. Um, speaking about '80s action movies like Miami Connection, which is going to be your new favorite movie on the DVD when it comes out, um, I went and saw Expendables too. You guys were like, I thought you were sick. I thought you were shooting this film. I thought you were doing all this stuff, but now you're you watching movies. You always make yeah. time. No, it? it's always in the morning, right? I got to tell you, man. When I went to see Paranorman, let me tell you the shitstorm I walked out of. Went to see Paranorman, right? Went to see like a nine fifteen a.m. screening because I was like, you know, I know we're shooting tomorrow. We got stuff loaded up on trucks. We got equipment. We got people hired. What could possibly go wrong? So I come out of the movie like literally an hour and a half, almost two hours later, just messages, voicemails. Our DP, who's an amazing DP, he shot some stuff for me. He's a great guy. Took, he had to, he had to. He had interviewed for like a $30, $40 million movie. He he didn't get it. Another DP got it. Um, That Thursday night, we start shooting on a Saturday. That Thursday night, the other DP gets fired. What? My guy gets hired. He calls us at 8 a.m. saying, listen, guys, this is a 20, 30, $40 million movie. They're going to pay me tons of, like, I got to do, I have to do this. I can't go run around the desert with you and a bunch of lizards and masked people and Paul London. You know, like, I got to go do this. And we have to understand, you know what I mean? Like, it's, he, yeah, it's he's kind of hard to do get it. that opportunity. It's kind so of I walked out of Paranorman and didn't have a DP while stuff is sitting on the trucks. Right? Mm-hmm. We were in a situation of that, so we just spent like the next eight hours trying to find a DP, not somebody who's going to just, you know what I mean? Like we could have stopped the bleeding and gotten somebody by noon off of Craigslist, but we didn't want to do that. We wanted to get somebody who's as good and going to kick some ass, so we did. We found this amazing DP, Amanda, and we kicked ass all weekend. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We wish best of luck to our buddy Matt who went and shot uh, this movie, it's a Selena Gomez movie. You'd have done it. You'd have done it. So... <laughs> That's what happened, man. It was a shitstorm. Knowing that, I still went and saw Expendables 2. How was it? Yeah, I went and saw Expendables See, I have no interest in seeing Expendables 2. I know, 2. I know. And, I don't like and, and Expendables, no, listen, so I listen, don't feel listen, the need listen, to actually... listen, listen. You're not a man. Oh. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Like, if you don't... Listen. I don't need to pay, like, $10, $12 to see this movie. The first Expendables is not a good movie, but we enjoy it. Why? Because we're men, and it celebrates us being men, right? It's like a James Bond movie. Like, are they any good? I'll tell you right now, James Bond movies are all the damn same, but we like them because we are men and we have to feel like men, right? James Bond movies are amazing. Well, Watch that, what you say so, about James so, Bond. So listen, this is a more manly James Bond movie. These are impervious fucking superheroes who blow shit up. Like, they can look at things and things explode, right? <laughs> like, that is what this crap is, right? And then everything on screen is explosive. And Expendables 1 was that. Expendables 1 is everything that you wanted. You didn't realize you wanted a bad movie, but that's what you got. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you're not going to complain about cotton candy. You're going to enjoy it, right? And you may get a little stomach sick, and it may not be the best for you, but you're going to enjoy it. Expendables 2 added Van Damme, Chuck Norris, Liam Hemsworth, you know, and it was ready to kick some ass. You have Arnold in this, Bruce Willis. The plot is not important, but anyway... <laughs> You, you know the players in this, right? So I go to see this movie, because I did enjoy the first one, even though I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. But really, what's the point of seeing Expendables outside of the theater? Like, this is an explosions movie. So I go to see this shit, especially because it's Van Damme. 
You guys know I love Van Damme. And I'll tell you right now, Van Damme is the best part of this movie. And I'm not just saying that because it's Van Damme. I'm saying that because Stallone has done so much work to himself that even if he wanted to emote or like act in any range, his face won't allow him. Like Stallone is someone who is a good actor. Like he is talented. I it's really hard for him to emote with like his face won't move. And it's it's tragic to me. Like there's a scene with him and Liam Hemsworth early in the morning, uh, early in the film. And Liam Hemsworth is emoting and like saying stuff and I'm like, "Wow, this is a really nice young actor. He's kicking ass." And like and then you cut to the shots of Sly and Sly has the same look on his face, but like his eyes are like trapped. It's like somebody being paralyzed. Like his eyes are like I really am trying to be sad right now, but the rest of my face isn't letting me. And Arnold's the same. Then you get Bruce Willis in this movie, and Bruce Willis is aged well, and he's just, it's like, wow, that's what a man his age is supposed to look like, and he's kicking ass. I would recommend, if you like the first movie, go see this movie. I don't think it's as good a movie as the first movie. It's kind of weird, because I think Simon West is a good director. I like the mechanic with Jason Statham, who's good in this movie. Well, it wasn't a bad movie. Jet Li's not, not very much in this movie. Now, he wasn't in it because he didn't want to film outside of China or something, right? I think he was just busy. You know, Chuck Norris is good in this movie. He's fine. It looks like he has a painted-on beard, but that's okay. Next to Sly Stallone's half mustache, like it's normal. Um, but Van Damme takes every scene he's in. Van Damme is so good in this movie. He plays the villain, right? In his name, what is his name? Villain. Literally, it's villain without one of the L's. That's his name in this movie. Just one word. He's like villain. Villain. <laughs> and he shows up in this movie. And he has one of the one of the expendables, like hostage, right? And he's gonna trade the expendables life for this thing that the expendables have just recovered that's very valuable and could fucking bring down the world, right? And it's gonna fall you know, the, he's gonna do a trade. And of course the person hostage is like, just kill me, which is really what they should just do because it's gotta be like a new vice right? right? Yeah, right. And and, and Van Dam, he's like, Oh, look at the situation we have here. And he, he says a word that, he says a phrase that, like, it took me two seconds to figure out what he actually said. He's like, put down your guns. Do not challenge me. Don't <laughs> challenge me. And I was like, what the fuck did he just say? Don't challenge me. But that's he, how he says challenge? That's how he said challenge in this movie. It was awesome. He goes, put down your guns. Don't challenge me. So the entire, you saw me last night in line for the You haven't election. stopped saying that. I was like, please, Scott, don't challenge me. Is. And the entire movie, he's stealing this plutonium, and he's acting his ass off. And I love it, because he's good. You guys saw GCVD. You know he's a good actor. And he, he, he turns to Scott um, Atkins, who's like his second-in-command, this action star who I think is awesome, Scott Atkins. And he goes, and he's, he's just able to like access the plutonium. He's going to get like, like tons of tons of plutonium. And he's like, if five pounds can change the face of the world, how much do you think... Four tons of plutonium can do. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. And the whole movie comes down while the Expendables are blowing shit up and Villain might get away and the plutonium might go with them. The whole movie comes down in this fight scene between Sylvester Stallone and Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it's awesome. Because it's hand-to-hand. Like, like Van Damme literally runs out of bullets and then is like, do you want to kill me like a man? Or kill me like a ship? And Stallone's like, all right. Like a sheep? Like a ship. (laughs) I'll just fucking do it with my hands, right? So he puts his guns away. 
and they, you know, and Van Damme drops his knife, who's the, which is which is Stallone's knife. He stole it in the early in the movie. Fucking puts the knife away, and they fight hand to hand. It's badass. And Van Damme like kicks the shit out of him. He's like, "Come on, give me the mu- give me my money's worth. The show's not over." And then fucking, you know, at the end, he's like, "We fucking got the knife, and Stallone's gonna fucking kill him and shit." And he's like, "You gonna kill me like a man, or kill me like a ship?" It's dude, the movie's awesome. For, right. But not maybe I might for catch the a reasons. matinee. I might catch a matinee. That's most technically. Over. It's got a lot of issues. They do a lot of stuff that's unforgivable on a filmmaking level. Wait, wait, wait. you're telling me Expendables has issues. But but here's the thing. I talked to about it with Sean Madden earlier on the phone. Like we don't hate the movie, but it's got some like literally in editing. They took a, an image that they shot on a digital camera for a 4K projection, which is your projection in a theater. In 4K, you're, you're soon going to get it in your home. Like literally, Sony's making it a thirty thousand dollar 4K 80 inch screen for your home. It's going to be the norm in five years. The thing is, your home theater now is like 1080p, right? Yeah. And so what they do is they shoot this 4K image of like a medium of Sylvester Stallone or a medium of like an action scene or a wide of an action scene. And then they think that the image is so good that they can just cut into the image for a close-up. So like they take a a shot of Stallone talking in a a medium and they do a close-up on it, but it degrades the image. They basically just crop it. They basically crop it and blow it up. And so their 4K image has been blown to shit, and maybe it's a 1080 image, but on a 4K theater screen, it looks like crap. You can probably play it on your laptop and not give a damn, but you're watching it on a theater, it looks like you're watching Pac-Man. It's all digitized and awful. It, I can't believe they were doing that stuff. And they wanted then, a challenge. They and then some of the technical stuff, of course. You're just like, There's a zip lining scene where they're escaping a, like a town. In like, I saw the one. Who's hanging upside down, like shooting uh, in a whatever. circle? They, so they, they jump on the zip line of the town. And the plan goes to shit, and they got to escape, and the army's coming in. So they jump on the zip line. Next thing you know, they're going over fucking jungle. They're going over rivers. They're going through, like, they're basically crossing the country on a zip line. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is this? The Matterhorn? Like, you guys are just riding a zip Like, anybody who's been, like, what? They set up a zip line across the whole damn thing? It's like they're electric. It's like an electrical. They're on electrical lines. Like, whatever you know what like we laughed if you're gonna get pissed off at stuff like that don't see this movie because you're an asshole like if you're gonna get <laughs> pissed off about like the digital stuff that i was just telling you about you're, you're an asshole yeah you have to expect a certain amount of fudging yeah it's blizz cheesiness <laughs> don't challenge me all right don't so, be a chip <laughs> i really want to interview van damme as van damme i want to do a fun interview with that would him. Be pretty awesome i want to do it where i'm just like john glad listen let's talk about your new film and he's like, well, it's very interesting. We shot it in Eastern Europe, and I got to work with the director. It's a very good director. Also, tell me about the director. Like, you just don't know who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the new Universal coming out. Universal, Universal Soldier. Soldier. He's oh, I have this new movie, Universal Soldier. It's going to be very good. Very good film. So, that's Expendables 2, and I think you know who you are if you want to see it. And now they're doing Expendables 3, but... Uh, I gotta tell you, um, I think they're going about this Expendables three in all the wrong ways. Clint Eastwood, yeah. Nicholas Cage. I like Nicholas Cage for all the wrong reasons. Right, right, right. But he's but not who, an action. Who star. else is in this thing? Uh, they're trying to get Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. No, 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 no. You all guys the are wrong for, guys. You guys are One, forgetting your roots. I don't consider any of those guys really. You want you want the people who are lined up for this movie called The B Team that they're making. You want Michael Dudikoff. Oh God, yes, I love you American want, Ninja. You want you want Don the Dragon Wilson, right? Yes. You want Lorenzo Lamas. I'll take Lorenzo. You want Cynthia Rothrock. Like, that's who you want. You don't want... Like, that's, those are Hollywood stars. You're making a Hollywood movie. Like, what's the point? The whole point of The Expendables is that Hollywood didn't want these people anymore, and now you're giving them new life. 
True. And Chuck Norris isn't coming back, right? Chuck Norris has said he's not coming back. We put that up on the Geekscape.net website, and uh, I, I, you know, I like Chuck. I'm skeptical of Chuck sometimes because I think that whole fad of like Chuck Norris can like cure cancer with yeah. his tears, like that whole thing is annoying. Is he going to make another walk? Or take Chuck his was good. Is that why he can't Chuck do it? Chuck was good in this. He had a little bit of a painted on beard, but he was good in this. He was fun. Um, you know, um, I'll, I'll see an Expendables three. I'll see an Expendables three. I do. I regret nothing. Um, but what other big action stars are you going to get in? Other because the ones you named are all ones that, unless you're a giant fan of the '80s action like you, you're not going to go. Like, who left is there for them to get? Uh, Kurt Russell. That's a good one. Didn't they try to get him the second one? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just run a news site, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you looking at me like I'm Sean Madden? I'm the one with my fucking ear to the to the to the to the tracks. Blizz, Scott, don't you lunge me? All right. <laughs> I'll kick you right the fuck out of my house right now, man. I'll kick you the fuck out of here right off of Geekscape. Yeah, I love Geekscape. Let me tell you, when I first started downloading the Geekscape podcast, I heard this guy Johnny. That would be me. That's right, that'd be you. And I was listening to this Geekscape, and I was like, man, this guy, he has the equivalent in jokes as I have in kicks. Yeah, real high, real badass, real impact. Yeah, I have to meet him one day. <laughs> and ever since that day, I've been Geekscape fan, Scott. And you've listened. If you want to be an editor, you do not challenge Johnny. All right, not one challenge. Thank you, thank you, John Claude, for sticking up for me. No problem. <laughs> All right, we talked about that. We talked about that. Nintendo Power Magazine is going away. You guys who love Nintendo Power, go check out the website. We've written some love letters to Nintendo Power. I wrote mine. Shane O'Hare wrote his. We got one from uh, Ben Dunn, Josh Jackson, our video game geeks. We wrote it up. Um, you know, I haven't read Nintendo Power in 15 years. I don't think Nintendo Power is a Nintendo But Power it was the years. first magazine I subscribed to when I was a kid 19, in the 1980s. The first one. And if you guys want to read our love letters, they are up on the site. You can totally do that. Back when people used to read magazines? Back when we used to read, period. Dude, I got a stack of comics by my bed. It's getting so stupid. It's going to crush me in my sleep. <laughs> Johnny, I'll read them for you. All right. Um... I have been playing, you know what, I've been kind of playing video games a little bit because I've been playing on the portable. New Super Mario Bros. 2 came out for the 3DS. How was that? I love the New Super Mario Bros. game. I'm a sucker for this stuff. And now it's all about collecting coins, like the coin rush. First off, um, you know in, in, the new, in the 3D Super Mario, the, the Super Mario 3DS one, they, they brought back the Tanuki suit. In this one, they actually brought back the raccoon tail. So you can fly like in Super Mario Bros. 3. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, you can get a gold, like a gold uh, block that you put on your head, and it turns everything into into blocks. So, like, if you stomp on something, it becomes a block. As you run, blocks uh, or uh, coins. It, as you run, coins come in your path, and like, it's all about collecting gold coins. That's what this whole theme of this game is about. When you street pass with other people, you see how they're doing on certain levels, collecting coins, and you can challenge them to like races to see who can you collect love the most street gold. passing. You know, it's the only it. thing that proves I have friends because people are like, Jonathan, you were a giant loser. Like that guy, John Cabrera, on the H Plus podcast, he's like, You made a website to create friends? Did you actually make any friends? No, I haven't <laughs> made friends. Everybody's challenging me. But Street Pass proves I have friends because I see them on my 3DS. They show up and they have funny hats. 
that's what I do it for. Just like I can just look out, at my, I can look at my PlayStation. I can look at my PSN like like thing and be like, I got friends. I'm maxed out on Xbox Live. Dog. First time I met you, you had your like Luden street passing. I was like, what's street, oh, street passing? passing like a like, how dare you not know? How do you? How would you not? Blizz, you the first time I saw you, you challenged me. <laughs> I will street pass your face right off. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, the stream pass is huge. Uh, it's fun. You can trade scores and try and top each other's scores. I like it. If you get, Listen, if you're a classic Mario Brothers fan and have a 3DS, this is the game you want. If you're not, you're not going to miss anything special. It's, it's just the same old amazing platforming game. Who would want that for a, ti- for a system that you're looking for titles to buy? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? You're going to complain about that? Like, so basically, this podcast theme is Expendables 2, Super Mario Bros. 2, same thing, but same great thing. And if you complain about it, you're an asshole. This is like an 80s-themed podcast right here. Yep. Friends for eternity, friends forever. That's the song that Dragon, that uh, Dragon Sound sings in Miami You guys Connection. really got to check out Miami Connection. Like, uh, I, go I Google I can't that. stop talking about Miami Connection. Like, the good news is the only time that you did talk to about... Stop talking about Miami Connection. Was when when you were talking to the creator of Miami Connection and he couldn't talk. Because he talked about it. You know what, though? He has actually a pretty good interview. Okay. It took a while to to understand some of it. We're excited. I'm excited to read that one. It was a challenge. It was a challenge to interview him, eh? I remember when I first came to the United States to make film. It was a challenge, but I got through it. Um, Superman and Wonder Woman are boning. Did you hear read this? They're adding this to the Superman Wonder well, Woman so story. Oh yeah, so fifty two they got them all banging now. Like they're they're a romantic couple now. What took them so long? I, this has had to have come before several times over. Like Eric Diaz can tell us or Ian Kerner can tell us. Well Superman Eric's got a good article Wonder on it. He put an he article does. on it and it's on the site if you guys check it out. And he talks about like and other stories, but it's never been within continuity. Like that Kingdom Come, oh. they hook up. Um, in in Dark Knight Returns they hook up. Yeah. In Kingdom Come, they hook up, but it's never actually happened in continuity? No. Well, how? That's what I always wondered. Like, Kevin Smith made jokes about it. How has that never happened in continuity? I don't know. I always, I mean, Kevin Smith made a good point. Like, how could Superman ever have sex with Lois Lane? How could a Superman have sex with anybody Any- but Wonder Woman? And maybe Big Barda. But Big Barda... Crypto. You, you, he could have sex with Crypto and his you don't, cousin. You don't have sex with Big Barda. Big Barda has sex with you. <laughs> That's why she's, like, married to Mr. Terrific, because he can just escape. Oh my god, she's coming for me. <laughs> He's a skate artist. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Oh, shit, she's gonna rape me again. Get, yeah, in my, so, get in my boom tube. I think it's the next issue of Justice League is when they're gonna introduce it. Yeah. Like, uh, excuse me, but what's in, isn't, doesn't Wonder Woman have a romantic relation or something like No, okay. they imply that she had a thing with Steve Trevor and they're no longer an item. That's so pointless. That's it such really a pointless storyline. Like, nobody cares about that. Yeah, go ahead and do whatever you want, DC. Well, like Eric said, he made a good point. Like, when they eventually break up, you know they're going to. Yeah. Who's going to be the bad guy? Like, who's going to be the heartbreaker? Superman going to look like an asshole? Is Wonder Woman going to be like... Someone has to bang them both. And then that person's the bad guy. And that person's Aqu- can do Aquaman. That. Or Green Lantern can do it with a ring construct at the same time. <laughs> a giant, giant phallic-looking ring double construct? Dill. Like a giant double dill. <laughs> like a double dill. He's just like fucking snow skiing on them. He'd do that. I, I could see Green Lantern doing how Jordan could. I can see how Jordan doing it. I can for sure see Kyle Rayner doing it because he's an artist. <laughs> he's an artist. He's an artist. You know, uh, John Stewart would be like, fuck no, I'm too busy assassinating people and killing other Green Lanterns. <laughs> and Guy Gardner would just be like, whatever, I'm going to go eat a drunk and go bang somebody else. Guy Gardner's such a dick. That's his whole thing. 
But I can see, I, I can see John Stewart doing it. He's like, well, I'm still trying to find myself. Oh, geez, my my girlfriend got uh, fridge. Kyle Rayner. Did she did she get fridge within not new continuity? Too, but you know what? Like they, they they made so little changes to Green Lantern continuity. I'm just gonna go ahead because because Green Lantern and uh, Batman, Batman are the ones. But, but like Green Lantern, like they're doing stuff where it's apparent. Like Black Hand is is pretty much he's where back. They're making open Black, references I mean, so, to so, Blackest Night. So Blackest Night happened. I'm you know what? Chick got fridged as far as I'm concerned. That whole thing happened. <laughs> My only problem is because here's the thing: Blackest Night or. The fifty-two one, reboot. How did the Flash Flashpoint happened on Earth? Yes, but did Flashpoint affect the things off Earth? I can understand Flashpoint changing things on Earth, so that the superheroes that went off and did things off of Earth affected those activities off of Earth. But everything before Flashpoint on Earth happened, and yes, it changed Earth. But everything away it from Earth, the universe, it, everything though. away from Earth should have been status quo because it mixed in universes and right? brought in Wildstorm. No, no, I mean, yeah, but let's prove this. Is Thanagar still full of, uh, losers flying around with hawk wings and inth metal? Is that still stupid? Yes. Okay, and it was stupid <laughs> before. So I'm telling you, it didn't change anything. <laughs> they had an opportunity for inth metal to be cool and Thanagar to not be stupid, and they didn't take it. So, yeah, it's, it, it didn't change anything. I'm just wondering, the, the whole new timeline they have for the new 52, a lot of shit has happened within five years. Yeah. Like, has how apparently, I'm assuming Hal Jordan must have... Died and come back and been the Spectre and all that stuff, but who not? He's been through a lot of shit in five yeah. years. Well, you know it's comics. You strap up some tights and see what happens. All right, mm-hmm. live life on the wild side. Um, so that's happening. I want to leave you guys because this is a geek skate pod, but they run long when I got guests because you know why I love guests and I love to ramble in front of guests in lieu of my guests actually being able to talk. Um, <laughs> I want to want to tell you guys if you guys own a PS3, download this downloadable title that, that hit uh, a week or so ago. Called Papo and Yo, this this is one of those games that when you play it, you start thinking about the debate on whether or not video games are art. And this is a giant, giant, giant uh, uh, argument and piece of evidence towards yes. This game is very much like a Team Eco type game, like Eco Shadow of the Colossus, and you play a little kid who leads a monster through a maze using puzzles to dissolve walls or bridge gaps in order to lead this monster through this imagination world. And the imagination world is um, inhabited by things like frogs. And if the, the monster eats the frogs, he becomes fiery and can actually hurt you, and he becomes enraged. He can eat fruit, which can either calm him down or can just lead him to different parts of the map. And it's a bit of a puzzler, but in the same way that, like, in Eco, you had to lead the princess of the castle and stuff like that... Um, there's not a lot of people in the world. It's very puzzle-based. It's a lot, a lot about mood and atmosphere and artwork. Um, here's the thing about the, about the game. From the opening quote, you know that the game is a metaphor for an abusive father. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. The opening <laughs> quote to the game is, for my mother and sister, I'm paraphrasing, for my mother and sister who survived my monster of a father. So you know that when the father is enraged, and so later in the game, like I don't want to spoil it for you, but you start learning that the frogs are actually substance abuse, that the girl who's leading you through this maze who you're trying to pursue is like a sister, and that you're trying to cure your father of his anger. Wow. (laughs) And when he becomes enraged, he hurts you. When he eats the frogs, he hurts you. And you're just trying to use your imagination like you find your toy robot and your toy robot helps you like get things that are unattainable to you on the map and like it can fly to places and like activate switches and stuff in the entire game like there's not enough a lot of dialogue in the game but it doesn't need dialogue 
as you're playing the game, it gets heavier and heavier, and the metaphors start to make more and more sense. And you get to the point where you're watching this game, and you can really sense a team in, in this team that made this game. You can really sense them emoting. You can really sense them saying something. And that is, that is the biggest argument here, that this is a piece of art as much as it is a game. It's, it, it, literally, if you guys have a PS3 and you got the PSN network, you need to get this game. And hopefully it doesn't just stay on the PSN. Hopefully this is something that shows up on Steam and shows up on Xbox 360 because this is something everybody needs should play. It really is like a Braid-like style game. You know how Braid was one of those games? And yeah. Like Eco is one of those games. This is a game you guys have to have. Like, Papo and Yo. I first played it at E3 like two years ago. It's come huge strides since then. But it, I, I'm still thinking about the ending of the game, which I won't spoil for you guys here. I'm still thinking about the ending of this game. It's that powerful. The dead beats him to death. It challenged me. <laughs> it definitely challenged me. For sure. That is the game you guys are going to get. I know games are coming out. I know I just talked about Super Mario Brothers 2 and stuff like that. But honestly, if you have a PS3, PSN network, this is the game you're going to get. Not the Expendables 2 game? Not the Expendables <laughs> 2 game. You're going to get Papo and Yo. It's incredible. It is incredible. So I had time to do all that and film and edit and go see movies and nah, I read some comics and do stuff. And um, I'm worried about my memory here on my, uh, on my Geekscape <laughs> audacity. So I'm going to stop the episode. Check out Geekscape.net. Follow me on Twitter at Jonathan London. Send me an email, Jonathan at Geekscape.net. Join us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Search for Geekscape. We're on there. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at CaptainObvious2983. That's Geekscape. Sorry it ran long. I love you. Bye.